Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Real Perspective, the podcast based on a YouTube channel, based on a podcast. Nailed it that time. Yes. Uh, as always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. And I'm Michael Moray. And this week, we're here to talk about uh, Creed 2 Cruise Control, the <laughs> sequel to Creed, the movie about the boxer who couldn't go under 55 miles an hour. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so Creed 2 is the follow-up to Creed. Um, it is not about a boxer who can go under 55 miles an hour. It's about a uh, boxer by the name of Adonis Creed, who is the son of Apollo Creed, who was Rocky Balboa's best friend. It is tied to the uh, Rocky universe. Creed 1 was directed, written and directed by Ryan Coogler, and he went on to Black Panther fame. And this one is directed by Steven... Uh, Steven, I should have looked his name up before the show started. <laughs> I was going to help you out, but then you looked like you knew it, and so I didn't. Stephen Capel Jr. Yes, I knew I knew that. Um, while we're giving credits, Aaron Covington helped uh, Ryan Coogler write the first Creed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Creed 1 is the seventh film in the Rocky franchise. Uh, and it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. It was the best film of 2015. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yep. It was my favorite movie of that year, and one of my favorite movies of the new decade. Yep. And one of my favorite movies of all time. Yep. Uh, for those of you who listen to Formula Filmography, I'm not going to tell you where it lands, but it is closer to the top than the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's 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 not my favorite we all know what my favorite's gonna be um but it's jurassic world yeah yep uh it's man that movie's good mm-hmm. it's so good it's also the best soft reboot that's come out in the last 10 years you know like this kind of semi sequels but then also kind of taking the same premise so they're kind of a reboot type movies <laughs> casino royale no, because Casino Royale is a hard reboot. It's like, it it's not continuing anything. It's just yeah. totally restarting it. So a soft reboot's kind of like this. We're continuing the story, but it's like with all new characters mostly. And it's kind of the same premise, but slightly okay. different. Okay. So like we're talking about um, Mad Max came out that year. Jurassic oh, yeah. World came out that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Force Awakens is basically a soft reboot. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's a couple others, but... That all, those all came out in 2015, I think, uh, right? I think you're right. Yeah, so there's this big like soft reboot thing, and Creed was by far the best one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess... Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, right? That All that did come out. Yeah. The, what? That's a very strange year. <laughs> yeah, I've never uh, put two and two together on that. Um, and Creed is a movie, like most of these Rocky movies... That shouldn't work. Yeah. Um, so before we like, get into Creed, well, I guess we should talk about Rocky because mm-hmm. they're so connected. Uh, Rocky, obviously one of the most beloved franchises in history. There's something very... There's something that Sylvester Stallone was able to tap into with Rocky and the story of Rocky that really hit America square in the feels. Yep. Um, I think it, it came out during the Bicentennial, so everyone was feeling extra patriotic in the hangover following Vietnam, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of people were really cynical about America. Um, 
in that period of time. And the bicentennial kind of perked everyone up about America. I mean, that's ultimately what led the way to like Reagan and stuff. If you really, if you really think about it in that Rocky kind of grabbed hold of it and like really showed people what like the American dream was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and he was just this Italian guy from Philadelphia that worked hard and got a shot and it changed his life even though he didn't win in the end, like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't about failing upwards, you know, he worked hard and, you know, he, he never wanted to beat Apollo Creed. He wanted to go to the distance with him, which was all 12 rounds. And he did that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a testament to perseverance. It's a testament to goal setting and accomplishment. It's a testament to very specifically, I would say American ideals. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Stallone wrote and or stole the screenplay. Um, the, the story's conflicting. And in that, I think he just was able to tap into a blue-collar upbringing that he saw uh, and really brought this character that people loved to the forefront. I mean, it won Best, Best Picture. picture. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. For a first-time movie like that? I don't mm-hmm. know. That's a... That's insane. And that's, I mean, Rocky's before Rambo. This was kind of his big arrival on the scene. Yep. And uh, that movie is even great, dude. Like, yeah. Movie holds up. Still holds up. Still fantastic. It's the quintessential underdog story. Yeah. And there's something about it. Like, it's not a product of its time. I mean, it is. It definitely is. But it it feels kind of classic and timeless. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's still very relatable. Yeah. Um, today, I think it's it's one of those movies that is generation-defining, but also transcends its generation. Something like Easy Rider is very of its generation and not as interesting mm-hmm. as a movie. It's a fine historical piece, but it's not a movie I choose to watch. I will choose to watch Rocky. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I know I dominated a lot of that conversation but i mean mike what do you what do you think about? i think you pretty much went and covered it i think that it's obviously still a fantastic movie i think it maybe shows us age a little bit more now when you go and just like juxtapose it with creed sure you know but um the ideas in it and the characters are still relatable and warm and likable and that's something that they've carried through for almost every single one of these movies even the worst one i think is you still got good characters in it you yeah know, still, and like i don't like rocky five but it's still got the same people who i always liked in there yeah you know? yeah, yeah, um, yeah so it set up something that obviously was sustainable <laughs> and it set up the whole boxing genre formula that mm-hmm. uh, you know this movie is has honed to perfection almost but they figured out a way that just fits so well with the structure of a well, film. Yeah, and it just kind of, like, got it in one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, we have eight movies that are kind of all the same thing, but <laughs> yeah. but they're all good, like for, with the exception of five, you yeah. know, varying degrees, um, which is crazy to me. So the yeah. first one still holds up. It's still a classic. Yeah, and so as such, people wanted more of the character. Yeah. Um, and even more of the side character, Apollo Creed. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's not... Even the villain of the piece, necessarily. Yeah. He's just a guy trying to do his job, you right. know? Like, he's just... He's a guy who understands the showmanship of the sport mm-hmm. and wants to give the people a show. He understands that, yes, boxing is athleticism, but it's also entertainment. Yeah. And so he wants to give these people 
sports entertainment. Yep. And he leans into, I mean, that's how they sell him on it, is that it's a marketing opportunity. Apollo Creed versus the Italian Stallion. Mm-hmm. That's what gets him to agree to the fight. And, uh, you know, Carl Weathers is super likable in that movie. And, yep. um, so then they wrote this thing, this Rocky II, where they fight again. And eventually, over the course of the series, they become friends because they kind of are cut, cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. And they they get to know each other and become best friends. And eventually, in Rocky Four, Apollo Creed is killed by Ivan Drago, who is um, just a hulking uh, ominous metaphor for the for Russia as a whole. Yeah. Um, and then there's Rocky Five, which deals with Rocky's son, and then Rocky Bal. But then a huge break, like yeah. over twenty years, I think, or twenty years almost exactly, mm-hmm. and then. As Stallone is trotting out his old characters, so he did a Rambo movie, yeah, and then he did a, a Rocky movie called Rocky Balboa, which is about an aged Rocky stepping back into the ring one last time, and that was kind of it, right? And then all of a sudden, like all, out of nowhere, kind of, it's like, hey, they're doing this movie that's about Apollo Creed's kid wanting to become a boxer. Mm-hmm. And Rocky's gonna train him, and the whole world went. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was this. It was such a bad idea. Yeah, and you know, it, it just like it's so on the nose. Yeah, it really is. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't work at all. It's it's. It, it feels so exploitative when you just say mm-hmm. it like that. And you, you know, it's it's one of those movies that just, it feels like a cash grab the moment yep. you hear the premise. It just feels like we're, you know, trotting out these characters for one more squeeze of the cash cow. Yeah. If there's any left in it. And Rocky Balboa was pretty well received. Yeah, it was well received along with that Rambo, you know, mm-hmm. send off. They both kind of capped off Rocky and Stallone's characters. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought perfectly. You yeah. You kind of didn't touch them again. So by opening this up, it was like, oh no, like, uh, yeah, they're and they're doing Rambo now too. Yeah, I know. And, but I mean, whatever. I, after Rocky, I'll kind of withhold judgment on yeah, that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, and then the movie came out, and a ton of people were like, that was pretty good. Yeah. And then the conversation started to snowball. Yeah. And people got away, like, not, they didn't get away from the movie, but they had some time with it, and they were like, I think that was great. And I felt like. Batman Begins. It was exactly, that, like, yeah, yeah, I was that, heading that, that exact direction with it. Right, yeah, because it was like, this, this is pretty good. And then, like, more and more people started discovering, and like, this was actually legitimately great. Yeah, and so it's a movie that yeah. I didn't see opening weekend, mm-hmm. um, partially because I was getting married opening weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I went on my honeymoon three weeks after we got married, and obviously because I'm me, one of my favorite things to do when I'm in a city that is new to me is I like to go see what a theater looks like there. And uh, the whole time we were like, we should go see a movie. What do you want to see? And I, the whole, every day we were like, maybe we should go to a movie. It was Creed. Creed. I want to go see Creed. Because at that point, three weeks later, it was a lot of people I knew had seen it and they were like, 
it was pretty good. And mm-hmm. then I had a second conversation that was that ruled actually. Mm-hmm. And then a third one that was like, no, this is a legit great movie. Like yep. I'm starting to get the hype. And so first thing we did <laughs> when we landed back here is, uh, well, we went to see the good dinosaur cause I had two for the show, but then, <laughs> um, I think it was the night after I went and saw Creed and that movie lit me up, dude. Like I was not prepared mm-hmm. for that movie at all. Yeah. And it was exactly like Batman Begins. Batman Begins, I did not see opening weekend, but I heard like, it's great. It's great. You should see it. It's great. You should see it. It's great. I love it. Like go see it. And it was like a month after it had come out and I finally went to see it. Yeah. And there was like three other people in the theater and I was like, oh crap, like this is a great movie. Yeah. And then Creed, I have never podcasted about because I can't. <laughs> um, I, I get too into it. Like yeah. I'm too close to it immediately. Like I tried recording an episode of the show on my way home from the theater and I sounded like an insane person. <laughs> it just like that movie just works on every level yeah it just sounds like you're gushing over it yeah and yeah. i am no absolutely because it's worthy of yes. it. yeah it, but it's a weird place to be in because we're usually so critical of things right yeah it, it's definitely one of those movies where i really can't think of any significant flaws Mm-mm. maybe i can't even think of any minor flaws no. <laughs> i'm having a really hard time man yeah it the, Maybe he shoots some of the boxing a little too close, but even that yeah. works like gangbusters, I think. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's it's a really solid movie. And it was it was a movie that within the first five minutes I got chills. Yeah. And it's you know, we you have that opening scene where he's in Juvie mm. and um Felicia Rashad, who plays a uh, Apollo Creed's widow, comes and talks to Donnie and talks about his dad. And I don't really remember how what happens, but she says she does she, she asks if he have any questions or something. No. Wasn't she asked like what's his name or something like that? Well, so that's what oh, he yeah, asked. Yeah. But I think she says like, "Do you have any questions?" Oh yeah. And he pause. The kid pauses for a beat, and he's like, "What was his name?" No, yeah. And the screen goes black, and then in I mean gigantic letters mm-hmm. that take up the whole screen. It says Creed in yeah. these big white letters on a stark black background. And that's the moment where I got chills because mm-hmm. immediately it sets up that this movie is a movie about Adonis Creed finding his legacy mm-hmm. or his finding his spot in the Creed legacy. Right. Because he's Baz's backstory is an illegitimate child of right. Creed. Right. And that moment sets up Apollo Creed. Mm-hmm. And his legacy looming over Adonis's life yeah. over the entire movie, and it was such a brilliant piece of visual storytelling with just the title card. Yeah. And so at that point, I was like, "Oh, this is something special. Like mm-hmm. this is, I'm in for something." Yeah. In this movie, and then it just keeps going, dude. Yeah. Like, it. it Every scene is in service to those themes, but it doesn't sacrifice the momentum of the story. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sacrifice the characters and how, like, 
full of life they are. Yes. It's vivacious. Uh, yeah. There's a verve to that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels alive, dude. Yeah. It, man, that movie's so freaking good. I know. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. But, no, yeah. Every every scene is just, like, coursing with intent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just, like, purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. That I hadn't seen in a movie in such a long time. So, when I was watching it, I was just thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is this thing? Because I agree with you. Every scene, like, has a knockout, like, punch in it, and yeah. it's not, mostly not even fighting. It's, yeah. I mean, the fighting's good in the movie. There's, there's, there's a one take in there that's incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, the fight scenes are great, but the drama, the dramatic scenes are just as good. Like, mm-hmm. I care about these people. They set up, you know, four or five characters who are completely new, and mm-hmm. I care about them. In addition to just playing on my nostalgia of, with Rocky himself, right. which, but they even do him justice. Like, yeah. It, it pays such it doesn't pay just lip service to the legacy of the previous series it adds to it mm-hmm. and it, but it also makes its own identity too it, it's like i don't know it's crazy how they managed to go and pay such great tribute to something while also forging something new mm-hmm. um so that's that's what i was blown away with and it just all to me led to that gunt punch at the end of the movie with like adonis like asking a rocky like you know was I a mistake or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, or that why is he fighting? Cause to prove he's not a mistake. Yeah. And they go and, uh, deliver on that. And the theme is just carried through all the way to the end like that. And I didn't get, I've never been so pumped in a movie in a Dude. long time. Yeah. Like, and it, like, it, I like what you said about it being its own thing. Like, yeah, it, the movie doesn't lean into the Rocky theme until like right before he's training for the last fight. Yeah. And even that's a remix. And the full theme doesn't kick in improper until the last fight scene. Yes. And I think that's such a smart choice because it sets up Adonis as his own character, right? Mm -hmm. He's not Rocky. He's Adonis, or he's Apollo Creed's son. Yeah. And uh, he, but he's not Apollo Creed, you know? So it's just such a smartly crafted piece of cinema, dude. Like it's, it's. And it's a crowd pleaser on top of that, right? Like, all this stuff we're talking about is stuff you would get out of an art house movie, sure, Mm -hmm. but, or an indie movie, maybe not even an art house movie, but like an indie movie. And, uh, this is like a big budget studio picture with characters that, you know, people love, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's still a dad movie, kinda. Yeah. (laughs) Um, cause, like, Rocky's a dad movie. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, it, it just and I don't know. It just it's such a, a a great piece of cinema, and it's also in service of like not just Apollo, Adonis finding his spot in Apollo's legacy, but it's such a testament to like the black community in Philadelphia mm. and like just what that looks like. It feels very accurate, you know. And yeah. It feels, but it's never like agenda-y like no. you know what I mean? it just feels like this is it just feels so organic like everything just feels like it doesn't i, I don't want to say it feels like a documentary because it's definitely showier like it's very cinematic it is but it feels like you're you're living this with these mm-hmm. people too yeah. at the same time like when he's walking into a stadium or whatever or when he's like going to bianca's concert mm-hmm. and the way the camera just moves along with him it doesn't feel like 
It doesn't feel like a movie either. It is, it's cinematic, but it also doesn't feel like cinematic. And it's not right. a documentary, but it kind of feels like a documentary. Right. It just feels like you're living this moment with these people. Yeah, and it's got these like little great beats in it, like where they, because he, he he moves to Philadelphia to train under Rocky from mm-hmm. LA, and he meets Bianca who lives in his building, and like, you know, he there's this great moment. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they go and get cheesesteaks for the first time. Yeah, I was gonna cite that scene. It's so good. Like, yeah. and nothing happens in it, really. No. Not like... It's just a little getting to know you stuff. But yeah. It, that world feels alive and lived in. Yeah. Well, and we... I mean, I guess we get to know, like, Bianca's got hearing aids. Yes. Right? Like, that's the ma- the main piece of information mm-hmm. we get out of it, which is really important. Yes. Um, and also, what a great touch for a character. Like, there's... I can't think of any characters that are losing their hearing off yeah. the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then you couple that with the fact that she is a musician, too, yeah. on top of that. Mm-hmm. Which is a good choice to go and couple those problems together. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's just all that kind of stuff. And just even, like, some of the the boxing routines. You just kind of walk inside these gyms with these characters. Mm-hmm. And it incorporates the ridiculousness of Rocky's story, but grounds it. And it's just like, yeah, this is part of this world. Like, this stuff happened. Yeah. And people, like, he's a legend and people respect him, but he just lives in it. And everyone else is living in it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's, man, what a good movie. Yeah. Uh, well, also, if you want to think, like, you know, you're talking about, like, the community experience in Philadelphia. It also deals or handles the idea of being, you know, an illegitimate child mm. and the kind of questions that that raises about your meaning or existence. Mm-hmm. And it handles that so well that I can't think of another better movie that handles that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. And then, like, the scene that gets me every time in that, dude, and I'm getting, like, goosebumps thinking about it, is when they give him the shorts mm. that say uh, uh, Johnson on mm. the f- Front, yeah, the front, and then Creed on the and back, and then Creed on the back. Yeah, but they're the American flag shorts that uh, Apollo used to fight in. Mm. When that happened, I was like, "Oh, yeah, oh, here it comes! Like, mm. here comes the man waterworks." And like, that's the reason why this movie, I think, is a better soft reboot kind of thing than a lot of other movies. Where mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of movies that came out during that same year that dealt with like, "Oh, here's your lightsaber being passed," or Luke's lightsaber being passed mm-hmm. on, or they're back at the old park in Jurassic right. Park. Where, and to me, none of those like impacted or hit as hard as me, Apollo, or and Adonis, like the connection between them and Adonis wearing his dad's like kind of old attire, or yeah. the Rocky theme coming in at the end of the movie after being withheld from you for yeah. so long. There's like a there's a careful doling out well, of the purposeful. Rocky tropes. It's purposeful fan yes. service, yeah. right? Like it's not just like remember this thing. Yeah. It's like this would be a natural part of right. You know, not necessarily the Rocky music, because that's not even his intro music. But, like, him fighting in the shorts, like, that's so in service of the larger theme of the movie. Of Donnie finding out where he fits in Apollo's, you know, story. Mm -hmm. Um, So that stuff is, yeah, it's fan service but it also is that piece of art service-y, too. Like, it's it's in service of that. Mm -hmm. And it, it lets the fans have their cake and eat it, too. And... That's such a it, like it, like we said. It's it's full of purpose, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the 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 thing that sets this movie apart is it's so purposeful. Obviously, Ryan Coogler went on directed Black Panther, 
which is just kind of okay. Um, which is a, a, actually an outstanding conversation piece. I think yeah, yeah. it's uh, probably the the best Marvel movie to talk about. I yes. think. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's got something on its mind, which mm-hmm. I appreciate because uh, I think often these movies don't. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not someone who gets too hung. I like the spectacle actiony stuff of it too. Mm-hmm. Um. But that is way diminished in Black Panther for uh, just bigger themes about, you know, how to handle abundance as a leader. Yeah. And uh, just uh, warring ideologies. Like, Mm -hmm. all that stuff, I think, is outstanding in Black Panther. And I think the movie's just kind of all right. Right. Um, Which is weird because he clearly showed that he can direct... An action sequence. Yeah, but, with Creed. But yeah. It, it, I don't think it fit with the Marvel house style or, or something. Yeah. yeah. Something didn't come together quite there. But, yeah. But once again, yeah. that movie, full of characters you like. Or yeah. not necessarily even like. Like, Eric Hillmonger's not crazy sympathetic, no. but he's super compelling. Yeah. Like, he's, he's super interesting, man. Yeah. And I, Michael B. Jordan's outstanding as that guy, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, which is probably what we should talk about, too, which is yeah. that. Michael B. Jordan is the heart of these movies. Yes. Right. And he's the best actor of his generation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. You know, he's a guy that I just, every time he's in something, I want to see it. Mm-hmm. I know that. I kind of don't care at this point what it yeah. is. I want to see everything that guy has to make. That guy, especially when it comes to these Creed movies. Well, but also Black Panther, I guess. Yeah. He plays someone who can be on paper very petulant or whiny or something sounding but he infuses it with soul and humanity that mm. that you would not expect from someone so young yeah he, like he's like an old soul and like a, an angry young person's body at the same time <laughs> yeah because <laughs> because he has a chip on his shoulder in both black panther and even you know even in creed yeah but it's super relatable and sympathetic and he plays it just right because you get where he's coming from in both of those movies yes yeah, he's 31 years old, dude. Right. Like, I'm 30, yeah. for context. Like, there's not a huge age difference between us. And I, the, just the way he can imbue these characters with uh, just this... This n- not understandable anger, necessarily, mm-hmm. but, like, empathetic anger. Yeah. Like, even though... Killmonger sucks, right? Yeah. Like you yeah. get why he became the way he became. Yes, you know, and that it, that had to deal with the way he was betrayed by the people who he's connected to. Right, right. Like by his, you know, his extended family. family. Yeah, his yeah. extended family. And so, um, you know, Creed is they're they're two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. right? It's you know, uh, uh, uh. Adonis Creed could have just as easily become yeah. Killmonger, not to that extreme, right. like, but could have just as easily become like a hardcore criminal mm-hmm. and was on that path is what we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then decides to reconcile with his legacy rather than buck against it. Yeah. Um, and Ryan Coogler's really good at writing that. Yeah. So with that being said, oh, by the way, Fruitvale Station, also a pretty good Ryan Coogler movie, yeah. his first one. Um, and with that being said, Creed ends, and it's so good that it doesn't need a sequel. 
Yeah. But it doesn't. I love those characters so much. Yes. That I wanted one. Yes. And there are movies that I really liked that I've really liked that I don't feel need a sequel. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I, I think another movie like that, John Wick, doesn't necessarily need John Wick right. Chapter Two. It doesn't. It makes the first one better. Yes. Um and is I think better than the first one. I agree. But it could have just been John Wick and that's it. Mm-hmm. But I love that character so much that I'm so like I just want a million of those movies. Like I want I want 20 John Wick movies at this point. Um but not because I think they need them, but because I love seeing Keanu Reeves in that role yes. and seeing that character and what he does. It fits in like a a glove. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Michael B. Jordan and Adonis Creed, it fits him like a boxing glove. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he just is so that character that, like, you want to spend more time with him. And be, mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson's so freaking good as Bianca yeah. that you just want to spend time with them mm-hmm. and get to know them. And, like, Stallone's so good as Rocky, which he has been in the past, but of course. he's next level in Creed, man. Yeah. He, wow, he's good in that movie. <laughs> They gave him a great arc, mm-hmm. uh, but Stallone infuses that with just the weight of the world, it yeah. feels like, yeah. and, and he's got this old sage yoda lead kind of thing going <laughs> yeah. on, too. And he's always had that like, right. throughout the Rocky movies, but it's been, it's been used more effectively now in his older age yes. to go and convey uh, themes and world-weary lessons that, um, you know, back when he was in his 30s or 40s, didn't quite carry the same impact as now he does as, mm-hmm. as a sage. Yeah. So, it was one of those things where it was like, ah, that first one's so perfect, how yeah. do you live up to it? But, like, I love these people so much, I just mm-hmm. want more from them. And so they were like, uh, yeah, we'll do a second one. And... At first, I was like, you know, I'm on board until I'm not, uh, just because I love these characters. And then they hit us with, you know, Googler's Black Panther. Mm -hmm. It's coming out 2018, which is when Black Panther's coming out. He's not going to be writing. He's not going to be directing. And it was like, Mm ah, I don't know about this, you guys. (laughs) And then they were like, Stallone's writing it. Yeah. And Stallone wrote Rocky. and. Mm -hmm. That movie's great, but this isn't a Rocky story. It's a Creed story. And, like, not that I didn't trust him to do that, but, like, there's a big part of you that's like, you know, Stallone didn't write Creed movies. Stallone wrote Rocky movies. So does he, is he going to make this a Rocky movie? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know how much of his script is left over because it seems like they changed a lot of it. They changed quite a bit. (laughs) Um, uh-huh. So he might for the better. <laughs> yeah, I think that the the things that they changed, and we'll get into that later, um, are better decisions because it. The little I know that they did change, which it has major effects on how that this movie, Creed Two, plays out. Yeah, and it almost feels like he did write a Rocky movie, and then they yeah. had to reverse engineer it into a Creed movie. A little bit, um, and. So then, you know, uh, Kugler says, uh, you know, I'm staying on as producer. I'm, I'm going to be overseeing this. And I, you know, I've handpicked the director. It's Stephen Capel Jr., who I think has directed like music videos. Movies. Yeah. 
Something like that. Well, he also, didn't he go and do um, some of, like, Iron... Uh, he did, like, one of the Marvel uh, Netflix shows. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, but he didn't have a lot of, like, film, feature film directorial credits. Got it. Yeah. And so, with that, it was like... Yeah. <laughs> then you found out the premise to this movie. Yeah, which is... That... Creed was going to go and fight the son of Ivan Drago, the man who killed Creed's father. Yeah. No. And that's that's when I think I was at my lowest point. But then at the same time, I kept on saying to myself, all right, but they also took a really stupid idea with the first (laughs) Creed and they made it work. Yeah. And so I had some faith that maybe they could pull it off with this one. He directed two episodes, Stephen Cable Jr. directed two episodes of... The show Grownish, which is the spinoff of Blackish, and that's the only thing I recognize oh. on here. Anyway, so yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, "This could, this is a lot, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a lot." And then the first trailer came out, and I was like, "Oh, that looks all right." Yeah, there you go. That doesn't look bad. Yeah. It doesn't look maybe as good as Creed 1, but mm. Creed 1's basically perfect. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of expectations tempering that had to go into this movie mm-hmm. because the first one's so good. Yeah. And so there's a lot of work that you have to do, I had to do as a fan, as such a fan of the first one, to be like, okay, this is not going to be Creed. Like, yeah, Creed, keep your expectations in check. Creed is a lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Like, there's no, even if Coogler came back, there's no way Creed 2 mm-hmm. is Creed 1. Yeah. Um, and I think that maybe hurt a little bit how much I initially reacted to Black Panther because it was Coogler. Yeah. And so it was like, oh, like, he directed one of the best movies of the decade and, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Right out the gate. Like, it was just a lot. Um, so, the first trailer came out and I was like, that looks good. And then the second trailer came out and I was like, ooh, there's some really good shots in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene of Drago, Drago Jr. doing the push-ups with the battle ropes. Yes. I was like, what like good. that looks crazy and then the scene of donnie boxing underwater mm-hmm. which is a direct parallel to a really famous picture of muhammad ali doing that yeah and i was like "Ooh, yeah yeah okay all right this you, okay you might have did something mm-hmm. all right let's like the hype the hype train started a little bit yeah and uh then the reviews started coming out and the first review I read was really negative. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no. And it was like, you know, they don't care about these characters anymore. It was what super wrong, by okay. the way. It, they were like, it, it's clear like no one cared about this. Like the only reason this movie exists was so that people would go and stream the other Rocky movies and the other Creed movie. Whoa. Just to like squeeze a little bit out of it. And like, it's clear that everyone's done with these characters. And I was like, oh no. And then... Right after that, like, three tweets in a row, I saw really good reviews of it. And I was like, okay, so I've seen three really good reviews and one really bad one. Yeah. Like, the majority here is saying that it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I saw it. And it was pretty good, man. It's pretty good. It's it, not great. Right. But that that's fine. Like, yeah. It's, it's solid, dude. It's a, it's a really 
good crowd pleasing movie. Yep. That's kind of it. And the characters are so great, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, it doesn't have the thematic highs and emotional gut punches necessarily of the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, but it does some, like it's got something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to spend more time with these people. Yeah. Was great. Yeah. And also now that, because I don't know if you saw that Rocky, or not Rocky, someone says he's going to be stepping away from the Rocky character. Yeah. Um, now even that has a little bit more weight, like mm-hmm. his arc, uh, which we can get into too. But Yeah, we'll talk about that later because I'm not super into that, yeah. <laughs> actually. Um, I'm very interested in why he decided to announce that now and the way he did and, yeah. and other stuff. But um, it's a good movie. Yeah. And, and it's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah, and the more I think about it, the more I like it. Same. Uh, and in fact, I kind of want to see it again. Same. Especially because I guess they've like kind of re-expanded it, and it's in some IMAX theaters until Aquaman comes yeah. out. So yeah. I kind of want to see it in like a good sound system theater because mm-hmm. I saw it in a crap sound sound system theater. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to have like some pulsating beats in there with yeah. uh, any boxing movie, but especially during a montage scene for it to have any impact. Yeah. Um, but. It's a freaking good movie. Yeah. And it progresses those characters in logical ways that, mm-hmm. like, it goes and brings them back to L.A. and, you know, progresses Bianca's condition, but also them getting married and having um, a daughter mm-hmm. who also has hearing loss. And, and just kind of the responsibility of the weight of carrying on someone's legacy and, like, whether or not, and the, the pressure of whether or not you can kind of surpass it. Yeah. Now that you like, now that you had the mantle of your father's legacy, it's like, well, can you can you go even further than that? Like, can yeah. you hold on to it? Which I thought was an interesting direction for it to take. And also, this movie handled what was possibly the worst idea about it, which is the Dragos. Awesome. Yeah. Like probably the best way they possibly could. Yeah. So, they couldn't have done it better. Yeah. So let's go and break it down. Sure. So Creed Two, like we said, follows. Donna's Creed after, you know, uh, the, 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 um, oh, what's that dude's name? Uh, Ricky Conley. Ricky Conley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kept wanting to call him Conor McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's Conor McGregor. Yeah. Um, but after, uh, yeah, pretty boy Ricky Conley's fight and, you know, he's super popular. Once again, underdog story. Yeah. Has this Creed legacy that he's now, like you said, taken up the mantle of and mm. people are like, you know your pops' son and, you know, all this. And um, he's accepted that. So it is where, where, where does this character go? And it's yeah. like, okay, now he's accepted that, but he was so obsessed with it that he has to learn how to be his own person now. Yeah. And so he's trying to start this life with Bianca. He proposes to her, but she doesn't hear a word of it. And, excuse me, and... Um, you know, the way that scene is, is I think really good. Yes. And like, I think that's kind of an emotional punch too, where it's mm-hmm. like, Ooh, this is going to be something we have to deal with, you know? Yeah. And he proposes to her. She doesn't hear it. She turns around, sees him on one knee and is like, Oh my God, like, what did you say? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just, <clears throat> you know, he just kind of boils it down to what he was trying to say. And yeah, they get married. Rocky, um, in the previous movie is, battled cancer and is in remission i think yeah right yeah, like yeah. That, yeah. yeah yeah he's fine and uh now he's dealing with seeing the father-son quote unquote for lack of a better word relationship 
that Apollo and Adonis have, mm-hmm. um, kind of thinking about maybe getting back into Bobby's life, which is his son mm-hmm. from Rocky Five, and um, in the midst of all that, we see the Dragos fighting and. They fly to Philadelphia. Yeah. And hold a press conference with a boxing promoter. Mm-hmm. And they basically call Donnie out and say, like, we want to fight. Like, yeah. you know, Drago Jr. Is it Victor? Victor Drago? Yeah, Victor Drago. Victor Drago wants to fight, you know, Adonis Creed. It'll be, you know, the Creed Drago rematch of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, Bianca gets pregnant. And Donnie is like, I'm taking the fight, you mm-hmm. know, like he, there's a certain arrogance that boxers have. <laughs> um, and he doesn't want to look like a coward. He doesn't want to look like he's backing down just because, you know, Victor's dad yeah. is the one that killed his dad. He doesn't want to look like he's ducking from that. Mm-hmm. And Rocky's trying to talk him out of it because Rocky saw creed die mm-hmm. he was in the ring you know and he, he says you know your father died right here in my hands yeah um and so rocky really understandably is trying to talk donnie out of it donnie takes the fight gets his ass handed to him yep and then has to struggle with that and gets a rematch in russia mm-hmm. and ultimately wins and like it's super by the numbers if i tell you that Mm -hmm. but it's imbued with such great character beats and like such great character interactions that it doesn't matter no at all yeah you know where this movie's going the minute it starts oh yeah and the movie's like knows that you know yeah but the characters don't yeah exactly and that brings me to something i want to talk about that's been driving me nuts this whole year it's been man people are stupid um so people are going to hear this and they're going to know I'm talking about that. But that's <laughs> so back in March, April, April, Infinity War came out, right? And Infinity War ended with a bunch of the Marvel characters disappearing. Mm-hmm. And there were kind of two camps. There were people who were like, oh, crap, that's devastating. And people who were like, boo, what a cynical cash grab to get you to see the next one. Mm-hmm. And none of these characters are dead, and they're going to save them, and it don't, it's not going to matter, and mm-hmm. Marvel's made death meaningless in movies now, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it was like, okay, you don't know how to critically think about things. Like, that's <laughs> all you're telling me. Legit, that's all you're telling me when you level that criticism against the movie, because, yeah... You're right. Mm-hmm. Those characters are definitely 100% coming back. Yeah. Black Panther made a billion dollars. Yeah. You know, like, it's obvious that that's going to happen, but the characters don't know that. Mm-hmm. And if you're already suspending your disbelief into the radiation angry boy, mm-hmm. you gotta be able to understand where these characters are, like, what these characters are seeing. Yeah. You just have to. And if you're not you're dumb like you're a dumb person (laughs) and so yeah we all know they're coming back by the way movie doesn't say they're dead Mm -hmm. at all yeah so you're just assuming that yeah um but like think about it 
if the movie ended and you looked over and your date disappeared, you'd be devastated. Mm-hmm. And these characters, the movie does a great job of showing these characters be devastated by watching this happen. Yeah. Yeah, we know, because we know that there's more of these coming out, mm-hmm. that they're going to go and fix it. But that's how stories work. Yeah. And yeah, of course they're there to make you go see the new one. They're all part of a connected universe. If you're realizing that 20 movies in, you're a <laughs> dumb person. Also, they said from the beginning, this one's going to be in two parts. Yeah. They have not, it's not like they tried to hide it. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. See, I come, I come at it from a different angle which okay. is that over the last year we've kind of had a discussion with movies and i won't name the movie in particular but like this idea of this movie was subversive therefore it was good mm. or something like that mm-hmm. right and i won't name the movie it's but i think we, right and and i don't want to be someone who harps on that movie every freaking podcast right but i want to tackle this idea of something being subversive being inherently good it's not it it, it can it can be good right. especially if your expectations are maybe replaced by something that's better than what you expected. Right. But there's something about a predictable story that is also fine if it's well executed. I'm right. not saying that predictability is good either, but it can be if it's well executed. Yeah. And the reason why some things are predictable is because they're logical. Yeah. Because if you're a smart person who's been paying attention, you understand how these characters work and how they act and how plots generally go that are satisfying and how themes, if they're executed properly, generally play out. Mm-hmm. So if you're expecting something to happen, it's because you're a smart person and you think that if the movie logically follows through on the promises it goes and gives or right. the things it sets up, it'll go and deliver them on them in a particular way. And so predictability, you can have a predictable story and it can be freaking great. Yeah. Because this might be news to some people, but... Most stories have already been told. <laughs> if yeah. not every single story yeah. has been told in yeah. some form or another. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, you can have a subversive story that yeah. does that. Split. Right. Split. You don't even know it's subversive until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Then it just recontextualizes in three seconds, it recontextualizes mm-hmm. the whole movie and makes you want to see it again. Right. You know, it, but up until that point, it's pretty predictable, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and yeah, so. Yeah, as someone who likes the movie you mm-hmm. were talking about, like, the subversion of it, it's not even a talking point for me, necessarily, nope. when whether or not it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, subversive versus predictable is not a marker of quality. Right. It just right. isn't. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a, it's like a non-debate, almost. Like, it's sidestepping the actual problems with, or the strengths, strengths of, of, like, of these particular movies. Right. So... If we can move beyond just that, like, oh, it's, it was predictable, so therefore it was bad. Like, screw you. Like, that's not, like, really get, touching at what you had a problem with, probably. You know what's predictable? Breaking Bad. Yeah. The finale of Breaking Bad is the most predictable hour of television I have mm-hmm. ever seen in my life. The finale of Breaking Bad is one of the most satisfying hours of television I have ever seen. Yep. Like, it's... It, because it's so predictable. Yeah, because, because it, it delivered on everything it has set up. It sets an expectation and then delivers on exactly what you were expecting to happen, yeah. and that's satisfying. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't try to like it doesn't try to be clever and a half. Yeah, you know, it just is what the story. Which is. has been the downfall of many a great movie is mm-hmm. this part where they're about to go and give you like what you want and what you expect because it logically the follows. Wall. Yes. <laughs> and then in the last second, it tears it away from you. Or like any horror, a lot of bad horror movies. Yeah. Where it's like, they survive the danger or whatever, and then they do this stupid, cheap jump scare at the end where it's like, actually, it survives. Yeah. And it was like, oh, man, I hate that. Like, yeah. 
don't do that. Yeah. Because that doesn't honor the audience. Yeah. Like, I think that, like, delivering on people's expectations is not inherently a bad thing. There's this weird kind of artsy reaction against, like, giving people what they want. Yeah. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be necessarily considered fan service to be giving people what they want. It can, right. it can just be good storytelling to yeah. give them what they expect sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, like, there is something that's presumably going to be satisfying about seeing these Marvel characters have, you know, their world turned upside down mm-hmm. on both ends of that, you yeah. know, because the people who disappeared are going to end up in some alternate dimension. They're going to go in and save them. Yeah. And, but those people are going to be like, what the hell just happened? Like, right. you know, we were in the middle of Wakanda and now we're wherever we are. Mm-hmm. And there's something that is going to be satisfying of seeing the like, you know. Repercussions and then re- dealing with the fallout yeah. of, that, of that still. Pre- presumably, and, if right. the movie's good, yes, right? Like yeah. the movie could suck. Well, of, but, of course, yeah. But... You know, on paper, that's a satisfying story of, like, something bad happens, now the heroes have to, like, correct correct it. it. Yeah. That's all that that (laughs) is. Which, by the way, is storytelling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If you're mad about the end of Infinity War, you're mad at stories. Yeah. (laughs) Like, a problem happened, and now it needs to be solved. Right. And, like... Yeah, and so and so, but this movie is a perfect example. And this of that. movie is so by the numbers, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not a marker of quality. It's not. It's it's not like yeah. it's so predictable, but it's so good. Like it's yeah. just really it's crowd pleasing. It's satisfying it, to see the predictability play out because you go, "This is what's going to happen," and then it happens, and your brain goes, "Hey, mm-hmm. that's a pattern I recognize." Yeah. because that's all our brain does is recognize patterns mm-hmm. all the time. And so it's like, and it's also the whys and hows of why it plays out right. the way it did that's satisfying right. too. You know, and and also the what's that cause it, and, right. and the motivations of what, right, yeah. exactly, and yeah, we know he's going to overcome it at the end, but it's like, well, but how and in what combination of you know the moral support, the family support, the Rocky support that yeah. he gets that he overcome it. And I didn't know that the movie was going to have two Creed Drago fights mm-hmm. going into it. I had no idea, yeah. so that was even like a little surprise for me, where it was like, oh, okay, yeah, like. That's cool. Like he's he's gonna have a fight. He's gonna get his ass handed to him, which mm-hmm. happened, and then he's gonna overcome it and defeat him in the end. Yeah. Like once you, yeah, once he calls him out in the press conference, that's what that's the moment where the movie opens up and you're like, this is what's gonna happen. Right. Um. And. But that was a nice little like, oh, cool. Like yeah. you know, it's 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 different, and I think that goes a long way in differentiating it from the first one, where he has two separate fights. Yes. In the first one. And then the the Ricky Connolly fight at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also, I really liked all the all the same but different moments yes, yes. of this movie compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. So this movie starts with Creed fighting. Um, I don't know the guy's name. Crap! But yeah, the guy is the the world champion. Now. Yeah, and that guy. It's so it's it's a title shot for him. Mm-hmm. But in the first movie, he we see Donnie training at uh, uh, Apollo's gym. Delphi. Delphi. And he fights that guy yeah. in just like a skirmish mm-hmm. at the at the uh, at the gym mm-hmm. over like his Mustang because yeah. they were talking crap back and forth, mm-hmm. and so it just kind of got to the ring, and he got wrecked by that guy because he wasn't greed. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and so. Then the movie starts with him fighting that guy on a big stage. Yeah. And it's this cool inversion of like the Creed Rocky 
thing where they had the fight behind closed doors. Yes. And like their rivalry starts out behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and then goes into the public forum. So it's a cool little inversion of that. But then it's a cool little nod back to see like now Creed's at a point where he can compete with this guy in front of everyone Mm -hmm. and he ends up winning and the first thing he says when he uh when he wins is he's like i want my keys back where are my keys give me back my keys and i thought that was great that they brought that over Mm -hmm. from the movie and we see that so many times and i thought it was really cool to kind of see how the world has reacted to creed yes and it's something that we've talked about the opposite of uh in like a star is born where we're like which is a good movie but it's Mm -hmm. it's like you know they're like ali's really famous right it's a lot of telling and not yeah. showing. And you see a billboard, and that's the biggest reveal of how mm-hmm. famous she is. But in this, like, we see Donnie in public, and fans want to take pictures with him, and they go to Max's, which is the Philly cheesesteak place yeah. for the first one again, and everyone knows Those his who, name now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want to get a picture with him and all this stuff. Like, there's a really nice progression of character from the first one to the second one that puts him in a situation we're not used to seeing him in. Yeah. And so that's not predictable. I mean, it is because we know he's famous now, but... But how it manifests yeah, itself. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, and also, we know we know that the Dragos have a grudge or this or that, but it's mm-hmm. how they have a grudge and why, like, what's motivating them that's mm-hmm. so interesting in this movie. And I think it's arguably, like, the most compelling part in some ways is, yeah. like... The fact that Drago, by losing in Rocky Four, his family's disgraced now. Yeah, you know, and, and having to like watch him deal with that in the Ukraine, and like there's people scorn the family They're name like now. Exile. Yeah, you know, which is which is interesting because it's like, yeah, I guess that would be a consequence in Soviet Russia if you lost. The, <laughs> yeah, you know, you'd be treated like this. Well, and, you know, and he lost in Russia. Yeah, and he lost in Russia, and as a result, he lost his wife. Mm-hmm. Which and, you know, and therefore Victor Drago's mom, you mm-hmm. know, left them to go and like hobnob with higher Soviet now Russian official type people, right? Um, and, and that's the motivating factor, and it goes and manifests itself in cool ways where like they come to Philadelphia and they're looking at the legacy of Rocky, you know, they go into the yeah. steps, you yeah. know, and, and they see the statue, and they see the statue, and there's this resentment because. You know, back in Rocky Four, you thought, like, I got to know you, you knew me, like, you know, the Cold War solved. And right, right. All this stuff. And, like, you, you think that that's, like, how the story ended for them, and, like, oh, well, that, the, the, everything was fine. But no, things got worse for the Dragos, by yeah. far, because of this. And this kind of, like, resentment that lingers, that there's, like, this shadow kind of haunting over them, I think was really interesting direction to take it. And then for the way for it to go manifest itself at the end, where you, I mean, I was kind of rooting for Victor in a way. I mean, obviously yeah. I want Apollo, I mean, Adonis to win, but, um, but man, like he's also fighting for like the fact that his mom left him. Right. And, no. So it's an inversion. Yeah. Once again of Adonis. Yeah. Right. Like he's not, his dad didn't leave, his dad did leave him, yeah. but he didn't know in, his dad in a was, sense. A, it, yeah. his, he didn't know his dad was his dad until after his dad was dead. Right. Um, but this guy, he like he saw the direct repercussions of his mom leaving mm-hmm. and grew up in that and like sees her over the course of the movie, gets really angry. He has like a lot of resentment, yeah. which Creed has in the first movie, but he hasn't reconciled it because his dad won't let him. Yeah. His dad exploits it left and right to get him angry, mm-hmm. to fight, yeah. to uh, get him to motivate. Like, Dr- Victor Drago. I don't think really cares if he fights Adonis Creed. No, I don't think so. He's living his dad's battle. Yeah. Versus Creed. I mean, he, his problem is that he's li- he's living it, but it's not because it was placed on him by his dad. It's that he wants to like 
live it. Yeah. And and he he overcomes it, and Victor doesn't quite overcome it. Right. But and a, so, at least a, a good reconciliation between him and his dad, though, in the end, thankfully. Yes. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. And it was it's it's plotted really nicely. Yes. I think it's really like smartly woven. And actually, I was a little worried when the movie started because it starts with. The Drago's at a fight, mm-hmm. and we see Victor fight, and then we see Ivan Drago looking at, at the camera, but he's looking at Victor. Yeah, and then it fades to black, and it does Creed two in big letters, yeah. and I was like, I don't know about. Yeah, this. I agree yes. because I was like, I feel like we should have flipped it mm-hmm. to where the Donny fight. With the guy from the first one is the first thing we see. Yes. And then we see Creed 2 because that then establishes Donnie as... Mm. As the, Creed 2. Well, yeah, as yeah. Creed 2, but also as the one looming over this with yeah. the name Creed. I know. It I, ultimately I, worked out, yes. I think. And I, I, having seen the whole product, I don't think I would switch it now. Mm. Um, but that worried me. Like, I was like, Ugh, like maybe not, guys. Yeah. I don't, okay, let's see where this is going to go. Um... I thought it was really cool that they got Brigitte Nielsen back. Yeah, me too. I, that was a surprise. Yeah, that was a huge surprise to me, especially because you know he was married. Yeah, Rocky she was married to Stallone. To Stallone. Yeah. And, um, Stephen Cable Jr. taught. There's. I read an interview with him where he was like, you know, I had to approach Stallone and be like, "Hey, man, like, I think we need to have your wife come back. Yeah, your stuff. ex-wife come back." And he said Stallone was super cool about it. He mm-hmm. said he was like, "Oh, I think the fans will love that." Yeah. And, we totally did. We like totally I was, did. I got hype. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's only in like two scenes, and yeah. I don't think she has a line. No, <laughs> but I was like, dope. Yep. Um, and it's super cool that she agreed to come back because yeah, she didn't same. have to. No. Um, you it, know. It, well, and also it was a smart change because we need to talk about the changes in the script. But right, the the Dragos originally it's like they were abusing drugs or something like that. Yeah, they were the they. Plot. Stallone's original script leaned heavily into them using steroids. Right. And and Capel Jr. was like, nah, we, we can't just... Like, that makes them too much just of a straight-up villain. Like, yeah. we need to also have them be relatable. So it was a smart change to go and make that the focus of the story. And it tied together, then, the legacy aspects and the, the parental shadow aspect of the movies better than just going with, yeah, he, he Victor's a bad guy because he uses steroids. Like, that's yeah. not compelling. Yeah. Also... Stallone uses steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's been caught with them more than one time. Yeah, yes, a little tone deaf. Yeah. So, uh, right. <laughs> um, yeah, and one of the one of the other small things I liked is like how much location shooting there was mm-hmm. because it felt really lived in. Like, there's a scene where. Uh, Bianca's performing at the Fillmore. Like, they're like, oh, Bianca's got a show at the Fillmore. And then it cuts to her show at the Fillmore. Mm-hmm. They filmed that at the Fillmore. Yeah. I've been to that venue. That's one of my favorite venues in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I saw it and I was like, that looks like they filmed it at the Fillmore. Yeah. And then I started looking around the scene and I saw the chandeliers, which are the telltale sign of the mm-hmm. Fillmore. And I was like, those are the chandeliers. Like, they actually went to the Fillmore and filmed this. Like, that's great. And yeah. like, I feel like Max's is a real restaurant. Yes. Um, it seems like it, at least. Yeah. They might have changed the name, but it kind of doesn't seem like it. Uh, no, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I looked it up. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it, it's real. Um, yeah, well, even like the apartment that they go to in LA, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know that's not a set because you see the outside. Like, yeah. they always, they make an, an effort to make this place feel like it's happening in the real world. Mm-hmm. 
which goes a long way to me believing and investing in the drama. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing I liked is is Adonis's kind of anger yeah. in this movie. It's I liked it because he resolved it in the first one, but he's an angry guy. Yeah. So of course someone like that, like he gets what he wants at the end of the first one, but he's still angry. And like, he doesn't know why he's angry. A yeah. Lot of the time. Uh-huh. And I really liked that. Yes. Um, it's something I struggle with. I get angry a lot and mm-hmm. I sometimes don't necessarily know why I'm angry. And so when I get angry, I do it. It, it doesn't manifest in weird ways. I'm not violent when I'm angry. I basically yell. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll like get really angry and then I'll, you know, have an outburst or whatever. And then I'll be like, Oh wait, what is this about? Like mm-hmm. what? Okay. Hang on. Like, let me take stock and like figure this out. Cause I know yeah. I'm angry, but what am I angry about actually? And it's clear without being annoying mm-hmm. that his anger is driven from a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And my anger is driven from a lot of anxiety. And so it's really cool to have a character that's like that, that isn't super on the nose. Because yeah. a lot of my anxiety, and this is two podcasts in a row, I've talked about this, I try not to talk about it a lot, but it, I ended up really relating to him in, the, in in this movie specifically about his anxiety-driven anger. Um, this year, I, I my anxiety's really been manifesting in really weird ways. I've gone to the hospital a couple times. I'm fine with panic attacks. But... You know, it's been manifesting in really weird ways, and I've been angrier this year than I have in a long time. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is I had a hard time turning 30. This yeah. year I had a really hard time turning 30. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Donnie, we see him having a really hard time being a dad and a husband and figuring that out, yeah. which is also a big life-changing thing, mm-hmm. right? And so it was just, it was nice because it felt organic. Like, yeah. it felt like, I saw that and I was like, that is how my anxiety mm-hmm. is. There's a movie called I Kill Giants mm. that's uh, that's out. It's more aimed at young adults. But I saw it uh, with my buddy Ryan at the uh, former co-host it, at the beginning of really right after my second trip to the hospital. And we didn't know what it was about. It's kind of sold as like a fantasy movie about this girl that hunts giants. It's about this girl who had spoilers for I Kill Giants. It's about this girl who has anxiety that her mom's dying mm-hmm. and the giant is her anxiety. And yeah. so it ultimately comes to a final showdown, but it's all in her head uh-huh. that of her overcoming the giant of anxiety that her mom's dying of whatever disease. Interesting. Um, it's not. <laughs> um, it's a good idea on paper, but the way it handles it is really on the nose and stupid. Dang. Okay. And so it was one of those things where, and I was pretty fresh into like really learning about my condition. Mm-hmm. And so we get, we figured out what it was about. It's structured really weird. And so I looked at Ryan and I was like, you know, as someone who now understands where anxiety fueled characters are coming from, mm-hmm. this movie's really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't necessarily do it badly, yeah. but it just did it poorly i don't know if that makes sense i get it it just it wasn't insensitive and it wasn't exploitative but it was just it was a little too clean Mm -hmm. and the difference with adonis's is is that it never really resolves he just kind of deals with it which is kind of how anxiety is which is kind of what life is Yeah. yeah well 
I mean, not to go and cut you short, but I had a hard time when I first watched this because I was like, the movie never really completely clearly states what his issues are. Like, I mean, it kind of does, but like, there's multiple. And I, I first had to be like, what do I think about that? Like, because because I mean, usually in a screenwriting, you kind of want to make it like clearly like one thing. Mm-hmm. And in the first movie, is like his dad, you know, or right, whatever, right, right? You know, it's pretty easy. But you, you touched on a good thing, which is that like. Yeah, he kind of gets over it and resolves it, but then, like, it's never completely fully resolved. Right. And somebody like him who who has, like, kind of deep-seated, I think, insecurities and anger and that sort of stuff, you just don't get over it. Right. And, and like, you know, oh, well, it was my dad, and I'm cool with him now, (laughs) so now it's over. Like, it manifests itself in other ways. And, I mean, you know, since we're all getting personal here with this podcast, you know, what is it like when... On paper, it feels like you kind of have everything that, like, you, you're kind of supposed to want. Like, mm-hmm. in, in Adonis's case, he's, he's got now the title, you know? Right. He's got, like, a great girlfriend that he's in love with, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, but that's still not enough. Right. And, and like, but, and you still, like, have these insecurities. And that's something that I think that a lot of people who, you know, we were just talking about turning 30, a lot of us have, which is like, okay, it seems like our lives are going okay. Yeah. But we're also, we also got this anger and fear about, well, like, what's what next? Yeah. And, like, we still don't have, like, security from that still. Yeah. And so, like, well, how do how do we resolve that? And the movie doesn't give, like, a quite clean answer to that. And I wasn't sure if that was, like, bad writing or not. But I feel like that's honest. That, yeah. like, uh, he doesn't get over it. Right. But, but like, he fuels it. And he, he kind of, like, he, and he also right. just picks himself up, you know. And he goes and stumbles. He loses the fight. Right. He goes and stumbles during a training montage. But you just get up and you just you deal with it. It's kind of yeah. what the moral seems to be. At yeah, the end. and like you know, anxiety is a lot of things. Yeah, right. It's 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 partially like being a control freak for the most part, mm-hmm. and not being in control that stems from a lot of it. But there's also you know there's biological reasons behind it. There's chemical things yeah. that, that can happen. But you know, it, it, it is ultimately psychological, um, majority psychological in nature. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, just implementing in your life exercises, whether it be through therapy or just through will, mm-hmm. sheer will. Uh, uh, and I don't mean physical exercises necessarily, but like breathing techniques or taking stock of yeah. things or pausing for a moment. There's a thing called grounding where you just kind of breathe deeply. This is more for panic attacks, but you breathe deeply and like name things you can see, touch, feel and smell in the room. And then there's, you know, there's just like channeling it into something productive, like just taking a minute, letting yourself be angry, angry because maybe it's legitimate and uh, saying, okay, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. What am I angry about? This is what I'm angry about. Okay. I figured it out. Now it's time to take that anger and do something with it. Like yeah. you, it, it's a testament. This movie is a testament to not wallowing. Yeah, and I think that's really good. Yeah, because that's how you get over anxiety. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ever go away, and that's why it's unresolved. Because he's still going to have this even after his victory. Yeah, against Victor. Right. Um, but he's now learned a little bit more about it, mm-hmm. and that's all you can do with something like yeah. that, is you can learn a little bit more about it and try to be a little bit better. And also, you surround yourself with people who are supportive. Yeah. You know, I mean, the first fight he has in the movie, he doesn't have the support <laughs> of everyone in his family, but then in the second one, he does. He's yeah. surrounded by the people, 
who are also in lockstep with his mission and understand him better now. Yeah. Who who can get him through it. And that's that's what you do, you know, like a little inch at a time. You just kind of fight through it with other people who can help you and guide you. Yeah. And and so yeah, it, I came around on it being like, okay, I'm still not sure if that was quite what they're going for. I think it is. I think it is. Uh, uh, you know, I wish it was a little more explicitly stated. Mm-hmm. But once I came on that side of coming around and being like, okay, that's what they were going for, I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this movie... But you know, And we got kind of heady about the movie. Yeah. But it's really just, like I said, a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Like, it's... it's you know, it doesn't spend a lot of time diving deep into Creed's psychology mm-hmm. or Victor's psychology. It just kind of is a movie and these things happen. And mm. it's almost like, it's not superfluous, but it's just like these little character moments that help them feel like people. Right. That, you know. And, and that makes the predictable beats feel alive and honest and true to the characters. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we could talk about the, the technical aspects, which is that the movie looks good, yep. sounds great, the yep. soundtrack is just as good as the first one. You know, yep. the direction is definitely a step down, yeah, um, from Coogler, But I mean, it's kind of hard to be that great. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think the fight scenes are filmed quite as well as they were in the first one. They're good though, but they're still good. You know, the training montage still great. It's like, outstanding. Like, it's real good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a standout. Um, you know, they do they do neat little things and like. Going back to what we were saying about like the variations of things that we expect, um, or things that have been played out in other Rockies, you know this this fight it was just going to end with a straight up knockout in Stallone's script, mm-hmm. and then they thought about how to go and make it different and better. And Capel looked through every single one of the movies and saw like what hasn't been done before, and they came up with the perfect way to end it, which is that it ends with Ivan Drago throwing in the towel for his son, you know, which mm-hmm. is a you know an echo of. What happened with Creed or what should have happened with Apollos? You know, someone should have thrown in the towel before he got killed. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect way to go and cap those characters. You know, yeah. there's just smart decisions yeah. throughout. And I didn't know that was going to happen until it happened. Yeah. Like, until you see, like, they start showing you stuff from Drago's, uh-huh. per- Ivan Drago's perspective. And yeah. you're like, oh, he's going to throw in the towel. Uh-huh. And, you like, it's this really cool moment where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that makes total yeah. sense. So it's like, while true, yes, we knew that he was going to lose. Right. We didn't know how. And in that way, it's perfect thematically yeah. for the movie. Yeah, absolutely. There's, it's just smart decisions. Yeah. All around. Yep. And we haven't even really talked about Rocky that much, but he's good. He's yeah. good. He's not as good as he is in Creed. Yeah. Um, but I liked the idea of him like kind of reconciling with his son yeah. because that I think that would be very natural for him after seeing kind of how Donnie reconciled with his dad, even mm. though his dad's not around, mm. and him being like, Well shit, like I'm around, like I can do this in my son's lifetime. Like yeah. it were not in, in my lifetime. You know, I can I can make up a little bit for yeah. lost time and like just kind of seeing his anxieties back and forth with this of, you know, and so like where the first one was about people's ability to fight. Yeah. This is about their ability to fight still, but it's about their ability to deal, to overcome their anxieties. Right. It's yeah. about, um, um, Creed coming over, overcoming the anxiety of fighting the son of the man that killed his dad, yeah. overcoming the anxiety of being a new father mm. of being a new husband of moving from Philadelphia mm. to LA uh, to leave Rocky. And, yeah. you know, he feels bad. Um, something I totally understand of like, I, you know, my wife and I don't necessarily want to live here, but my parents are here. So yeah. and I, like, 
that really? that that tug of tug of war. Yeah. Um, so that was nice, and then Bianca's anxieties over her progression of her hearing loss—it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. Bianca's anxieties over her baby having hearing loss. Um, Rocky's anxieties over contacting his son like getting just nervous about you would be nervous about that yeah you absolutely would be nervous about that so you know i think the movie once again echoes creed in a really nice way by giving these people like things that to be worried about yeah you know it's not necessarily a clear-cut thing that they know how to live with Mm -hmm. right which is something they have in the first one of like bianca knows she's losing her hearing in the first one Mm -hmm. right and she has had enough time since her diagnosis to accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Creed grew up in the Creed home and understands he has to kind of reconcile his legacy. Yeah. Stallone, the cancer thing is new to him, but he also knows how to fight. Yeah. Um, but it's a very physical thing for him. Yeah. Uh, Rocky in this one gets a very emotional problem to fight against. Yeah. Um, so it kind of plays into their insecurities a lot more yeah. than the first one did. The, fir- the first one was about their resilience. This one is still about their resilience, but in the face of things that are like bigger than mm-hmm. what they were trying to overcome in the first one. Yeah. And so it's this really smart sequel in that it goes bigger on a really personal level mm-hmm. and it still makes it feel kind of intimate. Intimate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So you mentioned that you want to talk also about Rocky or not Rocky. Keep on referring to Stallone. It's just Rocky. Oh, Stallone's right. decision. To right. Go and so leave Stallone the Rocky decided. Role. So the the movie ends with Stallone going to his son's house and knocking on the door and meeting his grandson for the first time in a yeah. long time. And then there's this really good scene with him and Bobby, who's played by uh, Milo Ventimiglia, yeah. um, and who is actually a bigger deal than he was back in Balboa because he shows up in Balboa too. oh does he yeah, yeah I did not know that yeah I mean back then he was maybe just on Heroes or something like mm-hmm. that which was a big deal but right. now This Is Us is as much huge. Is yeah. huge with people so yeah. it's cool that they managed to get him back at yeah. all yeah. yeah I didn't know that I actually haven't seen Balboa I haven't seen five or Balboa check out Balboa yeah I own all of them so yeah. I'll see all of them eventually I'm sure um okay that was that makes it less jarring for me because <laughs> yeah. i was like what yeah <laughs> i was like what's peter petrelli doing here yeah um so he and there's there's a scene with them where he invites him in and you know it's presumed that he's gonna go and reconcile with his son mm-hmm. and you know it ultimately brings closure to donnie and bianca's decision to move to la because it kind of forced rocky into that situation yeah right um, like he can't just lean on his adopted family yeah anymore yeah and uh then rocky rocky stallone <laughs> yeah, yeah i know <laughs> it's tough <laughs> stallone posted on instagram uh a video that they shot while they were filming the montage it mm-hmm. looked like um and he basically you know gave this send off to the fans of like you know it's probably the last time i'm gonna go around with this character and just thank you for being a fan for the last, you know, what, 42 years or Mm. whatever. And, you know, just thanks for your support, stuff like that. And so now we have learned that Creed 2 is probably the send off. Yeah. For Rocky Balboa. Um, However, Mm. we also probably know that Creed 3 is happening. Right. I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's doing well. Yeah, and getting good reviews, mm-hmm. and it's already doing better than the first one did by yeah. kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
I want Creed 3. Uh, I don't know that I want Creed 3 without Rocky. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on it. Here's where I'm at. While, when I was watching Creed 2, it didn't feel quite like a send-off to him. Yeah. Which is kind of what I want still. Exactly. On the other hand, I don't know really where else he can go, like, as a character. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, Other than just, like, we watch him die, which is not something I really want to do as a viewer. <laughs> like, the idea of, like, watch a movie where he dies. Like, he's guaranteed to die. In Creed, like, there's maybe a possibility. The first I thought Creed. he was going to die in I, this one. Oh, see, yeah, I mean, I thought so, but, like, it wasn't being marketed as such. Right. You know what I mean? But, like, I also kind of don't want to see that happen. I'm sure it can be done well. I mean, mm-hmm. without a doubt, I'm sure it can be done well. I kind of just don't want to see that. So what I'm... I just don't know where else they can take him. Like, he's gotten over his problems with... Not his problems, but his anxiety over his son being kind of different than mm-hmm. him. And he also has an adopted family. And he's he's kind of taught and passed on the torch to Adonis, I think, as much as he can. Like, he's talked now about, like, you know, both being an underdog and also being a success. He's fulfilled that role, I feel like, in Adonis's life... I don't know if I need to see anything else from him. Like, in, in a way, almost like the only natural direction for Adonis to grow too. You know, if you really think about these movies as being Adonis's movies, which mm-hmm. they are, um, I think maybe the third one is best dealt with with Rocky being dead. You know, like already dead. Yeah. His past being between movies, you know, peacefully. Yeah. And, and now it's about Adonis having to get over his surrogate father not being there. And now, now he really is his own man. Without yeah. even that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think that that's a compelling direction to go and take that. Yeah, and now he's got to fight Clubber Lang Jr. God, <laughs> hey man, as long as we get Iron the Tiger, now he's got to fight Bobby Balboa. Oh God, <laughs> with a late decision to enter into a boxing career. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's where I'm coming from with that. I don't know. What, what's yeah, your... I if they're gonna make Creed three, which I think they are, Rocky has to be dead. Yeah. I don't see a version of Creed with with Rocky still alive and just out there. Yeah. And Creed not being like, "Hey, hey Unc, man. like what, what what do I do?" you right. know. It that doesn't work to me. It doesn't. That's no, stupid. I agree. Yeah, you can't. Um so yeah, I think Rocky's got to die. And I get not wanting to see that, but mm-hmm. I kind of want to see that not in a weird, like, sadistic, I want to mm-hmm. see kids die in movies mm-hmm. um, way, but in a, a in a way where it's like, I just, I, it, it, it doesn't feel like a send off to the character because he's still alive. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. I get that. So I think, yeah, either kill him off screen or bring him back for three and kill him. Mm-hmm. But like... It just can't... It can't work with him still alive and hanging out somewhere. Agreed. Here's my argument against seeing him die on screen. They had the opportunity to do that in the first Creed. True. And it, that's, like, where a lot of my emotional energy went. was like, oh, no, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's going to die of cancer, which is, like, terrible. Yeah. You know? And, and not to say that wasn't well done how they execute stuff, but it's like... I already kind of, like... They already used up my emotional energy for that. Yeah. And they didn't do it. And now I don't want to see it again play sure. out that way. So, unless, like... No, I can't think of a way that that would work anymore at this no, point. No, that makes sense. So, That's a good argument. I, I think that at this point, 
They've used up that emotional energy. We've already kind of reconciled with the fact that he has to go eventually. So just start off the movie with, you know, him already being passed away. And yeah. Like, and I get it. Like, Stallone's 72. Yeah. That's old. Yeah. That's super old. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. for a boxer who's, you know, suffered multiple head injuries. <laughs> yeah. And who knows what kind of, you know, stuff going on. Well, it, you can still have a great send-off to his character. Yeah. You know, it just through flashbacks television footage whatever you know and characters speaking about him i mean how you could start the movie at the funeral right at the funeral visiting his statue there's yeah. a bunch of ways to deal with it and still have his presence loom large but yeah it also goes and makes his movies fully adonis's movie too yeah by not having him physically there anymore yeah which i think is important because go Rocky, go Rocky, go uh, Adonis, you must go to the Delphi, Delphi gym and teach under Duke, who taught me. Or, yeah. Or, um, <laughs> Rocky Juan Kenobi. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, this movie it didn't feel like a send off because mm-hmm. it kind of felt like, oh, well, this is there's something else, obviously, but right, it works as one. Right. I either like I don't necessarily need to see him die, but like yeah. if he's they're going to keep him alive, I need to see him coaching Adonis. Yeah, right. I need to. Yeah, like, no, yeah, no, it, you won't believe it at this point if he's around but not helping him out through whatever struggle is big enough to film cinematically. Yeah, you know. Also, it would totally undermine the theme of this one, which is that he needs Rocky. Yeah, you know, it's mm-hmm. well not the theme, but like it's one of them. It, yeah, he needs that family. Yeah. yeah, he needs that family aspect or that family dynamic because. Yeah, he trains under his uncle, his actual biological uncle, mm-hmm. for the first Drago fight. Yeah. But Rocky refuses to train him, and he gets destroyed. Right. And then Rocky comes back and helps train him. So I can't imagine this thing where, you know, Creed Three starts, Rocky's still alive, but he's not in the movie. Yeah. And Adonis is, like, moved past that. Mm-hmm. Because it totally undermines the character's need for Rocky yeah. in this one. Yeah, it's clearly demonstrated need. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's once again. This is the this is the thing is that's that's the predictable thing because yeah. it makes sense based off their character motivation. Yeah, you know? exactly, and, and that'd be fine. Yeah, agree, and that'd be fine. So, yeah, I like. I don't necessarily want six Creed movies, but I no. want at least one more. Yeah, I think I think one more can cap this whole thing off pretty yep. well because I can, I can still see like one more crystallization of who this man is. Yes, uh, for me to be satisfied. Yeah. Also, just like spending time with these people. So yeah, they're all great. Um, Felicia Rashad's great as his mom. Yeah, we didn't even talked about her, but she's great. Yeah, she's great in the first one. Mm-hmm. I, I love Felicia Rashad anyway. Yeah. I loved her back in the Cosby Show days, and mm-hmm. so it was cool when uh, the movie started and she was Creed's mom. I was like, ah, yes, yeah. like cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know Tessa Thompson, great. Mm-hmm. Like, just I mean. My first exposure to her was Creed 1. Yep. I think I've sought out everything I possibly could with her since. I've liked everything that she's been in that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, she's... I don't like Thor Ragnarok, oh, right. but she's good but in she's it. She's good in it. She's good at everything, yeah. dude. She's good in Westworld. Mm-hmm. She's talented. Yep. She, man, she can act. She can sing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way... Uh... Donnie's entrance to the main event fight in this so one good. was sick. It I was know. so cool. I know with like the light moving across the stadium. Yeah, and yeah that was so good. Yeah, that's actually something that I think is good about this series. Is <clears throat> yes, yeah, sometimes they're playing into the Rocky tropes or the training montage or the theme blaring in mm. at different parts and stuff. But they're also making it their own thing, which is that like 
the the walk-in mon- and stuff. Like it's not something that was part of a Rocky movie, no. really. But that's like a C- a Creed signature. Yeah, and I think that that's cool. They're making their own identity with these movies yeah. too. And they've all been freaking cool. Like, yeah. The the Ricky Conley one at the yes. beginning of Creed one is yeah. or at the end of Creed one is awesome. The Creed one at the beginning of Creed two is awesome. Uh-huh. The Creed one at the end of Creed two is awesome. Yeah. Like it, they do a good job with that stuff, man. Like, I know. Whoever they got to, whoever's idea was to write those the way they did, mm-hmm. A plus. Like, yeah. yeah, and also having Creed's wife sing us his intro song yep. is cool. It ties into the fact that oh yeah, she's a musician and she loves her husband. She probably would do something like this. Exactly. Also, yeah. she's made a name for herself. Yeah. It's not just like you know, like if I were that level, I guess presumably Kristen would be, but it'd be like. Mm. yeah it would be like some people who were my fans would know oh that's his wife but like my wife isn't a popular musician yeah you know and so there'd be a lot of people who are like okay he got like an opera lady to sing Uh an intro for him and then there would be some super fans that are like okay his wife that's his wife but like everyone knows who bianca is like they are a famous couple Mm -hmm. together yeah right um so she you know she's big enough to play the film more at least and so that's cool. Yeah. So like, oh yeah, she would totally do that. I mean, it's it's the same like Star is Born thing where like, oh yeah, Allie would bring out Jackson. Yeah. If he hadn't killed himself. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it was it's good. And it just the laser around her was super cool. Oh, yeah. And like the lights forming the cage around the yeah. ring was dope. Man. Such a good thing. I really want to see this movie again. Yeah, yeah. I think we just talked each other into seeing it again. Yeah, and and we talked each other into I think liking it more than we did. Yeah, we already liked it. Yeah, but it's a worthy sequel to yeah. a great movie. Yeah. Um, and I hope to see at least one more of them. Yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, it's like go see it. Like it's right. it's real fun. Uh, it's easy to watch. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's a breezy two hours and ten minutes, which you can't say about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was a little sluggish. It was a little, a little flabby bit. for me. A little but, bit. But still, it, it didn't overstay its welcome by no. any means. And, um, you know, in an environment that is saturated with a lot of sequels, having seven out of eight movies be good to great yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah. And yep. Yeah. Uh, go see it. Yeah. Go see Creed 2. Um, yeah, I'm MJ Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find pictures of my cat and pinball machines I've played on Instagram at MJSmith891. That, that's all I use that for, so <laughs> if, if you want to see those things, you can see those things there. I do. Um, yeah, but you got the, like, I gotta follow you because we're friends thing. Yeah, like, such, such a burden. <laughs> You could just not open it ever. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of all I got. I think uh, Formative Filmography is out now. Episode 2. Um, episode 3 will be sometime. Corey's got an insane schedule right now. Because um, he's off making music. Yeah. So um, it'll be out. <laughs> eventually. Um yeah, I think that's all I got. What about you, Mike? 
I wrote a book. If you like the criticisms that I make about movies and story structures and stuff like that, I try to apply them to the things that I write. So check out The Aurora War, which is a fantasy action adventure novel. Are you still, is the giveaway still going on? The giveaway just ended, but I don't know. Maybe I'll have another one in the future. But okay. you can find me on Amazon and um, purchase it from there. There's a digital version where if you have a Kindle um, Unlimited, you can read it for free. So oh, nice. that's an option. It's also only two bucks, so it doesn't kill you. Yeah. And the print version is like fifteen ninety nine or something like that. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, until next time, we're the Christmas bad guys.